Amen. Ah, Jesus really loves us, eh? And I think you are his favorites. <laughs> Isn't that amazing to be part of this and enjoying just the Lord working in our lives? And uh, yeah, I'm excited. We in our series, Making Space. Making is a verb. It's a doing word. Am I right? So we're going we're gonna to talk about making space. And uh, when I thought about this, I thought about this story that um, let's say I'm, wor- I'm walking in a field somewhere and uh, there's no one around me. And then while I walk there, I take out this 200 rand note and then I start to crumple it and uh, start to treat it badly and I don't like it. And, and, I, it's, uh, and I say to it, you know, you're useless, you have no value and I really don't like you. And then I just throw it there on, next to the road and I walk away. And let's say you come the next day and you walk that same path and you don't see anyone in sight, but then suddenly you see the 200 rand note. What are you going to do? Will you pick it up? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure most of you here will pick this up. Why? Because you're adding some value to it. Am I right? For me, this would probably mean a nice coffee with my wife. For others, it would be a few days of of food in their house. For you, it might mean something else. But there's a value that you put on this that you are prepared to stop and take that for yourself. But let's say I take a 10 cents. And I also throw it there next, I couldn't find a five cents or one cent, two cents anymore. It seems like 10 cents is the smallest to get these days. But if I take a 10 cents and I throw it there, and let's say the next day you come and you walk past it and you look at it, will you pick it up? I think most of us will not. Why? Because we don't really add value to that. It just makes your wallet heavy. Friends, I want to say to you, are your finances a 200 rand or a 10 cents? How much do you value your finances? If it's a 200 rand for you, you will treat it like a 200. You will talk to it like a 200 and it, will, might, be, it might just become a 200 for you. But if you place a 10 cents on your finances, you will treat it like a 10 cent, it will bear the value of a 10 cent, and that's why many times it's a 10 cents for us. Friends, I want to say to you, I think we all know that we need to be wise about our finances. Proverbs 16, 16 cents, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. It says that wisdom is more important than gold. Understanding is better than silver. I want to say to you, the person that said these words are the richest guy that ever lived on this earth. And his name is Solomon. And I think if Solomon says that it carries some weight for me, and then I want to listen because he had everything in abundance, in overflow. 
And he said that wisdom is even more important than that. Friends, the, the thing is not making money. That's not our problem. Our problem is to live with money. Because many people can make money, but they can't live with money. I want to say to you, if you know how to live with money, making money is not going to be your greatest issue. We need wisdom to learn how to live with money. It unlocks things in our lives. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will come into that place of finances in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will break open our hearts, Lord, to hear your heart around finances. Lord Jesus, come this morning and deposit wisdom and insights in our hearts, Lord, that we might understand finances in a better way. Ignite something in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you care for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Friends, we see in Genesis 1, God made the whole earth. He made everything in the earth, on the earth, and 10 times in Genesis 1, we see that God says, it is good. What God created is good. And then in verse 28, God created man and blessed him. Friends, God created the earth with all the wealth, all the riches, everything in that you might need in the physical realm. And God came and I said, I give this to you. You need to take hold of it. Friends, we need to inherit the land. Psalm 37, 29 says, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. God made the earth for man, for you. But we were made for God. God created the earth, all the wealth and riches for you to take hold of it. And then we take it and we glorify God with it. You see, friends, there's kingdom principles that will ignite God's wealth and riches for you. God gave us a land full of blessings. But he's also told us what to do to unlock that. Isn't that amazing? So I want to tell you today, I'm going to show you in a word, it's amazing how to unlock that wealth and riches that God has laid down for us to enjoy while we're here on earth. Isn't that exciting? That's something to look forward to. Now I want to read to you there. In Genesis 1 verse 28, because God gives us the answer in the first commandment that He gave man after He created man. It's there. It's in that verse. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be. Now, be is also a doing word. It's so, there's something that you and I must do. Make space. Be something. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the living things that move on the earth. Now, I just want to, want to start a dominion. To have dominion means to rule 
to control. So God has created everything for you and me to enjoy, and God says that you and I need to rule and have control over that. Now, dominion is not, it's, it, it's a result. It's not a pursuit. Dominion is a result of doing kingdom principles consistently. And because you do kingdom principles consistently, you have dominion. Does it make sense? So what, so what do we rule over? It says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion over the whole earth. Friends, it's interesting that God didn't mention people there or man. We must have control over the world, but lead people. So how do we, I want to say to you, friend, in your house, who has control? Because it's either going to be you or your finances. You know, if my finances tell me how much I can spend, when I can spend, where I can spend, and how much I can give, and how, when I should give and should not give, I think our finances has control. But if I have the say over my finances, then I have control. If I can tell my finances where you go, what you do, and when you do it, then I have control. But I think in many, many houses, it's the other way around. And I think God wants to come and restore something. Am I right? God wants to restore a order. Because God created everything, said, we must rule over that. But somehow, the world has come, and somehow the economy, and somehow things has, has made our finances to rule in many ways. And today, I want to say to you, we're going to take back that ground. So, how should you and I unlock godly principles to rule over what God has placed under us? Friends, this is going to set you free. This is going to unlock stuff. I'm, I'm guaranteeing it to you. You know what? Being 30 years in business, I didn't read this in a book. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I experienced it through testimonies of people that done these things and experienced these things, even in my own life. So I'm not saying something that I read from someone in a book. I'm saying to you, this works. <laughs> this is God's answer. Because he gives it to us. Okay, let's look first at Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took man, he took you, and put you in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. You see, you ignite kingdom principles. Because God has placed you there and he works through man. But we must be willing to be and to make and to work. God says, you work the land. And then he says, and you keep it. You do it consistently. And when you do it consistently, breakthrough starts to come. But many times we don't have that endurance to consistently, because you know what? Many people don't do it. It's easy to do it. But why don't people do it? Because it's easy not to do it. <laughs> you see, 
but, but to unlock things, some things I need to do consistently. I need to work the land consistently. In Matthew 6, verse 19 and 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourself physical treasures on earth. That, one, that, that first treasure, treasures with an S, refers to physical treasures. Do not lay up for yourself physical treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself spiritual treasures. Because physical treasures you cannot take to heaven. Everything stays behind. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure, singular, is, there your heart will also be. Friends, your treasure is either going to be in this world or in the Father. But I want to say to you, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And where your heart is, your treasures will follow. If my heart is in the Father and in the kingdom, my treasures, earthly treasures, will follow that. And they will represent the kingdom. And they will create kingdom treasures and spiritual treasures in heaven. But if my heart is in worldly treasures, that's where my treasures will follow where your treasure are. So we must make up for ourselves, where is my treasure? In the world, kingdom of darkness, or kingdom of light? Friends, there's not an in-between. You must make the choice where you operate. You're going to operate in the one, or in the other one. You see, when Joseph came out of prison, and they made him second in charge of Egypt, um, the Pharaoh came and hanged a golden chain over his head and gave him uh, his best chariot and everything. He gave him worldly things, but Joseph took it into the kingdom realm because that's where he operated. You see, they say money is of this world. I don't think it's of this world. I think it's wherever you put it. Money can operate in the world system or it can operate in the kingdom system. It depends where you put it. Wealth and riches. They say wealth and riches from God because it's cattle, land, gold. You can use it in the world or you can use it in the kingdom. It depends where you bring it into. It's your choice what you want to do with that that God has given you. So let's see what's the four things that ignites kingdom principles and opens up things in your life. Four things. God says to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and subdue. That gives you dominion. So let's see how those four things work. And I'm going to talk about kingdom principles. How to use this in kingdom principles. Because if you use it there, it unlocks the natural. But that's where we must operate. Alright, let's look at fruitfulness. So fruitfulness means to produce. And how are we fruitfulness? Let's read there, John 15, verse 2 to 4. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that has spoke, been spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, we see that when you bear fruit, there's four different areas where you bear fruit. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Now, I want to take this and bring it into the context of finances. Because your finances can bear no fruit, fruit, more fruit, or much fruit. How does that look? How does no fruit look? It's when your finances is in rebellion against God. It sounds hard, friends. But it's true. Because there was a time in my life that I did not accept Jesus. I didn't want to know anything about God or church or anything. I know people ask me, because I also meet Christians, and then they ask, are you a Christian? Then I would say to them, and this is true, I would say to them, no, I'm not a Christian, because the life I live does not represent a Christian, so I am not a Christian. I said that. Can you believe it? I was in rebellion against God. My life did not represent Christ or the kingdom. It represents this world, and I, I, I did all the nonsense that you could do in this world. Because I was in rebellion against God. Friends, if there's no fruit in your finances, I'm telling you, your finances is in rebellion against God. Because it does not represent the kingdom. If you only operate with it in this world. I mean, a lot, let's not even go there. <laughs> I don't want to offend people. You know what, what we do with, with our money in this world. We can support this world, and, and, and I can see the world all over the finances, but I don't see Christ in your finances. There's no fruit in your finances. Now, how do I move from fruit to, from no fruit to fruit? It's a process. What does God say? He takes away. Matthew 3 verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Friends, when we want to move from no fruit to fruit, there must be a process of taking away. What must I take away? I must take the world out of my finances. It's like me. One evening, I fell next to my bed, and I said, Jesus, I'm going to hell, Lord. You need to save me, Jesus. I give my life to you. And God removed the world out of my life, and he gave me the kingdom eternal life. Friends, there need to be a moment in your life when you decide that no more my finances will represent this world. I will take it away out of my finances. My finances need to represent who I choose because I gave my life to Christ. Now the rest follows me and my finances follows me. And my finances now needs to represent what I believe and you need to bring it into the kingdom. And then, friends, there's fruit. Because it's not in the world anymore. You brought it into the kingdom. And now it's not no fruit, but fruit. Now, how does an does a area of fruit look when my finances bears fruit? It's a place of conviction. Fruit is a place of conviction where I, uh, uh, um, reap, where, where I see God's will. 
So when my finances, I brought it into the kingdom and decided that I want to do things right, the next stage of fruit is conviction. It's where I say, Lord Jesus, I want to seek you, Lord. I want to do things right, Lord. Show me, Lord. Must I budget? Yes, Lord. Must I manage my debt? Must I give? Must I tithe? Must I do those? There's a place of conviction where you feel God is talking to you about your finances. That's where you start to bear fruit because of the choice that you made. And then you start to take away things because how do you move from fruit to more fruit? It's a time of pruning. You need to prune because there's branches that's growing, that's taking the sap that needs to go to the fruit. So there's some branches that you need to take away so you can go to more fruit. And pruning is not always nice. Sometimes it's hurt because sometimes I need to prune good things in my life. If I can't pay my debt, I cancel my DSTV. Is DVT bad? No, it's a good thing for me. I love it. But if I can't pay my debt because of DVD, I need to remove the good things. Because I need to prune, friends, to align myself with God's kingdom principles so that I can move to a place of more fruit. And to do that, you must cut. You must cut. And you must make plans. And you must take away. And you must change things in your finances. But friends, you need to do that to unlock it. And you need to do it consistently. Now, how does a place of more fruit look in my finances? It's a place of consecration, where I consecrated my finances to God. My finances is a slave to Christ. I place it under the will of God, and I dedicate it to the kingdom and to God's will. That's when you have more fruit, when it's not about me anymore, but I'm a slave to Christ. My finances is now Christ's finances. And Lord, my finances will serve you. My finances will represent you. My finances will do your will. It's not a question anymore. What I want to do is just a when. But that's when you start to bear more fruit. When you come into a place of consecration, where you consecrated your finances to Christ, when you've put it on the altar. And say, Lord Jesus, it's my only son, Isaac. But by your word and by my faith in who you are, I will put it on the altar, Lord Jesus. I will consecrate and dedicate it to you, Jesus. Is it easy? My friends, that's why it's a sacrifice. (laughs) Because a sacrifice is not easy. But we need to put it on the altar to go to a place of more fruit. If you want more fruit, sacrifice your finances. Otherwise, be happy with just fruit. That's next level, friends. This is steak. It's not milk. (laughs) Am I right? It calls us to a higher level, friends. Consecrated to Christ. Now, how do I move from more fruit to much fruit? John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Friends, apart from Christ, you cannot. To move from more fruit to much fruit is pushing into Christ. Sitting at His feet. Jesus, I need more wisdom. 
I need to hear your heart in this area in a deeper way, Lord. And then, friends, if you see God, He's going to take you to that place of much fruit. What is much fruit? It's being a bond servant to God. What is a bond servant? A bond servant is a Greek word, doulos. It means to be owned by someone for a lifetime. Lord, my finances is a bond servant to you. You own it for the lifetime of that finances. 127 times in the New Testament, God talks about, about the word bond servant. Friends, a servant is someone that's been bought by someone. He serves that person for a certain time. And when that time runs out, he can go free. But then that servant decides to go back to his master and says to his master, I, I like the way you treated me. You've been good to me. I want to be your servant for the rest of my life. And then he becomes a bond servant. And he owns him for his entire life. Friends, much fruit is when you're at a place where you say, Lord, my finances will be a bond servant to you. You own everything, Father. Isn't that amazing, friends? You're quiet. Eh? This, is, this, is, okay. this is, please preach next Sunday on, on something. It's a more, more gentle. It's amazing, friends. Let's just, let, friends, we must talk about this stuff. God has got a blessing for you. He wants to unlock it, friends. But you and I, and I are the workers of the land that needs to unlock the heavenly principles to unlock the earthly blessings. Friends, I will not give my son, when he's 18 years old, I will not give him more money that he can handle. He needs to mature. He needs to implement some principles in his life. And that will unlock my favor towards Him. God is a Father. A loving Father like you. He's not going to lose you for money. He will entrust you because what does He say? Faithful servant. I will give you ten cities. The bad ones, take away. Friends, we must unlock things. Right, that's fruitfulness. The second one, multiply. How do multiplication unlock things for us? God gives us the example in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God showed us how to give. God is a giver, friends. Multiply. Fruitfulness means to produce. Multiply needs to reproduce. You multiply the fruit. You multiply what God has given you. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Isn't that a word to hold on to? God wants to give you overflow. Now, I, I said, yes, Lord, I take that word, Lord, and therefore I have a dream. And you know many times how God comes and he answers that dream? With a seed. Now, I've got a seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a mustard seed in your life before. I've got a mustard seed here, but it's just very small. I want to take one out here. I can put it there under my nail just that I don't miss it. There's a mustard seed there. So God comes and He supplies my dream with a seed. Most things start off with a seed. Let's take this church. God planted a seed 
in Mark Bailey's heart. But that seed had to grow in him. And then Mark started to dream about this. And then he started to drive through to Clarkstorp and to pray in this area. And then he, he, he planted a church in a small place with four people. It was a seed, friends. He put it into the ground. He started to work the land, to till the land, to nurture it, to water it, to be patient, to start looking after that seed and consistently working that land. And that seed started to grow, friends. We in the fruit. Just look around you, friends. How amazing is it to just come and sit and say, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for just receiving a blessing because of a seed that you have planted in someone's life. Friends, many times your dream starts with a seed. We pray for an apple, and God gives us many apples, but they are hidden in a seed. Matthew 17, 20, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Isn't that a word to hold on to? (laughs) You know why a mustard seed has so much faith? Because he knows what is on the inside, a massive tree. Friends, do you know what you carry? Do you know the blessing that God has predestined for you? When he created this world with everything, and then he created you, and he gave it to you, friends. Do you understand the blessing that God has for you? You need to unlock it, friends. It starts with a seed. But many times we like 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 to 11. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest for your righteousness. When a farmer, I mean, let's, say, let's take a farmer. This farmer, he, he sells bread. And so he wants bread to sell it to make money. But friends, that bread starts with the seed. He needs to take the seed, put it in the ground, look after it, be patient, let it see. Then when the harvest comes a few months later, take off the harvest, then process the harvest, and then he enjoys the fruit. Many times we just want the fruit. God, give me the fruit. That's my dream. And when God gives you a seed, you don't plant it. You don't look after it. You don't nurture it. Because I want the bread, Lord. That's what I ask, Lord, and when I get the bread, I will know you are God and you move. God wants to give you more than bread, friends. He wants to give you a seed, because you don't know what's in the seed. God knows. God wants to give you more, friends. He wants to bless you, overflow, pressed in. He wants to give you much. In Luke 12, we see that the rich fool, he built bigger barns to put his seeds in, and then he lost everything. Because seeds are not made to store up. It's made to be sown. Take Mally. (laughs) I mean, we're enjoying the fruit of his life. But if you look up behind his shoulder, you will hear many stories of sowing seeds. Many stories, friends. And I want to challenge you. Even when you talk to him, you'll hear stories of seeds that fell on pathways, that fell between the thorns. But thank you, Jesus, that he's sitting here at 74 years because most of his seed fell in good ground. And you and I enjoying the harvest today. I mean, friends, you can just tap into this 
books and books and books of wisdom. Because of a lifetime of sowing seeds. Isn't that amazing? God is giving you seeds, friends. Sow those seeds. Don't look back one day. Say, Jesus, I should have done this. I saw this thing on Facebook. It's a blue pill and a red pill. Blue pill says, hey, uh, you can go back and be 21, but with the same brain. Or the other one says, oh, you can take $10 million now. Yes, I don't know. But many of us would want to go back. Friends, do things right so that you can take the $10 million <laughs> And don't have to go back. <laughs> hey, <laughs> come on, man. Much comes, m- many things comes in the form of a seed, friends. Don't miss the seed. When God gives you the seed, don't miss it. You can count the seeds in this apple. Am I right? When I break it open, I can count the seeds. But friends, you cannot count the apples in these seeds. God has something for you, but it's in the form of a seed. Finances, your calling, your family, your marriage, your, man, your relationships, whatever. But you need to take that seed and plant it, friends, to make that thing become a fruitful thing in your life. The third thing is we need to fill the land. You need to take hold of it, occupy it, and inhabit it. God has given it to you. God has given the Israelites a promise, the promised land. But when they crossed the Jordan... It started with a battle. And there were many times of rebuilding that land. But the first thing they had to do is, break, is, is conquer Jericho. What is your Jericho that you need to conquer? When you think of your finances, when you think of the battles of your finances, things that God has spoken to you for so long to get into place, but it's not happening. What is your Jericho that you need to conquer so that you can possess the promised land? You will not go past Jericho until you conquer it. You need to conquer Jericho. But friends, before Jericho, there's a a river to cross. That river is the dividing line between God's promise and the spy's lies. Because there's an enemy that says to you, you cannot do this. This land is full of giants. These walls are high to heaven. It's fortified. This land consumes its inhabitants. You don't have what it takes. Your money is not enough. Your debt is too great. Your circumstances is too big. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing, friends. I've heard these stories, stories upon stories, how God comes and breaks through in people's finances when they think there's no hope, friends. A desert is a place of no hope, but in the desert, God gives you a promise. You need to cross that sea. And and here's the sweet thing. God has opened it up. (laughs) You need just to walk through. That's by faith. You need to walk through. Hold on to God's promise and not look at the spies' lies. But cross that Jordan, friends, and face your Jericho. Now, three things how to conquer how to conquer your Jericho. Three things. Fight from victory, not for victory. 
God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. But this is what he said to him. The day he called him. Joshua 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you. Hey? <laughs> Before he even saw Jericho, while he was this side of the river, God already told him, I've given it to you, man. Don't fear Jericho. Don't fear the giants. Don't fear the walls. Don't fear the river. Don't fear the land. Don't fear anything. I've given it in your hands. You already have the victory. Friends, I want to say to you today, to each and every one here, God is the same. You have the victory. But you need to go through the water. You need to face Jericho. But the victory is already yours. Joshua 6, 6 verse 3 and 4, when they crossed it, and now they're going to step into this. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests, oh, sorry, let's read Joshua 6 verse 2 first. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho in your hands with its king and mighty men of Aleph. Second time, God confirms, I've given Jericho in your hands. And then he said, Joshua 6 verse 3, 4, You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. And listen to this, listen to this. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of rams, horns, before the ark. Why are they carrying rams, horns, and not the silver trumpet? A silver trumpet was used to make alarm and to call people for war. A trumpet of ram's horns was used to celebrate a victory. <laughs> when God sent him around the city, he said, take ram's horns because you're going to celebrate a victory. Isn't that amazing? Hey? Come on, friends. God has, oh, God has said the victory is yours. He has aligned everything in the spiritual realm for you. You need to unlock it and take your victory and let Jericho fall. Ram's horns were blown in the, in, the, in, the, in the year of Jubilee, on the 50th year, when all debt was settled. They used a ram's horn to celebrate the moment. Let's celebrate the victory because we, what we see, we don't see, we take it by faith. Because we know who God is. We know what's in the seed. Friends, the second thing there to break Jericho is overcome by faith and patience. <laughs> you know, God said the victory is yours, but they still had to walk six days around that wall. Do it the same every day. And do not speak. Because when they spoke, they would have complained. I can tell you that. I know people. They say, hey, when you do the same thing every day, we start to complain. Jeez, can this church just come alive? Hey, can this church just change this, change that, change this, do this? Well, I don't know. That's why God said, shh, I've got it, I've got it. I've got the plan. Just walk around the city. Just be part of what I'm calling you to. Hey? Doesn't have to be your way or what you see sometimes. Friends, to conquer your Jericho, you should do it consistently. 
Manage your finances consistently. Every day I'm managing that. I'm paying off my debt little by little. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Whatever God is laying on your heart to do, I'm bringing that in place. I'm doing that. Lord, is it easy? No ways, man. It's not easy, Lord. But I know, Lord, there's a victory. And I want to go to more fruit, Lord. And therefore, I will do it consistently by faith. And then the last one, don't go back to the old. Joshua 6.26. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time after they conquered Jericho. And saying, cursed before the Lord be the man who raises up and rebuilds the city of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation. At the cost of the youngest son he shall set up its gates. 1 Kings 16.34. He'll, he rebuilt Jericho and lost his firstborn son and his youngest son. Friends, don't go back to the old wrong ways when you've conquered it. If you've conquered something in your finances, don't go back and do the wrong thing again. Move on. There's a promised land. Much more. Much more blessing. Much more fruit that's already been put in place. Cities that you did not build. Vineyards that you did not plant. God says in Deuteronomy 6, you will have it as your inheritance. If you go through the river and conquer Jericho, it's yours. And you know what? The last six nations God took out before them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You fight, but God fights the big battle for you. He goes before you and sorts it out. Take possession of your land, friends. The last one that God says, says be fruitful, multiply, take your land, fill the land, and then subdue it. Friends, bring it under the authority of the kingdom. The old one that I've preached so many times, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, His authority to rule, to reign, and seek righteousness, God's way. Lord Jesus, I want to subdue it under Your way. I take up my authority to rule, do it consistently. And then it says, and then I will add, God will add, God will restore God will bring the victory, friends, because it's locked up in your seed. Can I pray for us? Jesus, some of us need a breakthrough in our finances, Lord. Jesus, today, Lord, we come before you. Lord Jesus, we say, Father, give me the faith that I need to cross that river, Lord Jesus. Lord, take away the fear, Lord, of the giants before me, the city walls before me. Lord, the things before me, Lord, take it away, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that your faith will come into that place, Lord Jesus, and replace that fear, Lord, that I will stand up and, and, and fight, Lord Jesus, and conquer the Jerichos in my life. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one, Lord. I pray that you'll open the heavens and rain on our land, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will take hold of your kingdom principles and do them consistently, Lord Jesus, and that it will unlock the earthly wealth and riches that you have for us, Lord, because you don't choose a few, but you bless everyone, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your provision, Lord. Thank you that you love us, Lord Jesus. And even the birds have enough, Lord Jesus. How much more will you not look after us, Lord? We pray, Jesus, come into that place. Lord, may your hand be upon everyone's finances, Lord. 
Lord Jesus, may we manage what you have given to us, Lord. May we look after and be good stewards and be faithful with what you have given us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you fill our lands with seed, Lord, and that you reign on that land. We honor you for who you are, Jesus. And Lord, we declare that our finances is dedicated to you, Lord, consecrated to you, Lord Jesus, is a servant and the bond servants to you, Lord Jesus. Your will, not our will, Lord, to glorify your kingdom and not us, Lord. We give you the honor, Jesus, for who you are. Amen. Amen.